0: Welcome to the Veterinary Business Matters podcast brought to you by Oculus Insights. Here we will discuss topics related to veterinary business management. From small to large animal, this podcast strives to give you the insight and tools to help you improve your veterinary business. Oculus Insights, supporting businesses where great people want to be. Hello, and welcome to another Oculus Insights podcast, part of the COVID-19 Veterinary Resilience Guide. I'm joined once again with Katie Arline and Sue Armstrong. Katie is the HR specialist with Oculus, and Sue is our personal executive coach extraordinaire. So welcome both again back to our podcast.
1: Hi, hey Mike. Hey, Mike.
0: So we're still in the uh, midst of the COVID-19. And if we're focusing on the human resource uh, point of view and dealing with your staff, there's two articles the two of you selected for us to discuss during this podcast. Uh, One about grief that is titled, That Discomfort You're Feeling is Grief. And the other one is how to help employees deal with frustration during COVID-19. And they really are complementary articles to each other. So Sue, maybe you just give us an oversight of the article that you found on grief. I've read it a couple of times, and uh, I keep on picking up new things from it, but why did this particular article resonate with you so much?
1: You know, Mike, I really, really like this article. It resonated with me. Uh, I feel that it really sums up what we're experiencing as humans in a society dealing with the COVID-19 crisis.
0: So the article is interesting. It's an article from Harvard Business Review. Uh, we'll have in the uh, podcast notes. And then the author, uh, Scott Baranito, Uh he interviews David Kessler, who is the world's foremost expert on grief. He wrote a book with Elizabeth Kubler-Ross on grief and grieving, finding the meaning of grief through the five stages is loss. And he talks about a new kind of grief uh, that is going on. And he talks about anticipatory grief. as the feeling we get when what the future holds is uncertain. And it's an anticipation, I guess, of sadness. And, and Sue, in, in your coaching, have you come across this when you're meeting with people now that this anticipatory grief is part of what people are challenged by?
1: Yeah, absolutely, Mike. And it's all wrapped up in the anxiety of the unknown right now. And it's our mind just starting to run away with thoughts. And I call it catastrophizing. You know, what's going to go on with my business? What's going to go on with my family? And you try so hard to uh, rein them in. But the unknowns about the situation we're in, really just run away with our thoughts and it's really hard to rein them in and frame them up in a way that you can say to yourself, I can't control this, but everything's going to be okay.
0: And one of the things I talk about in this article is that, you know, we talk about the the five stages of grief, and we think that's a linear process. But what he talks about is that these stages, and particularly now, are not linear in that it's all over the map. And I think there's denial. Oh, my gosh, this can't be affecting us. But then there's anger that it does Uh, There's bargaining, there's sadness and acceptance, but there's still that anticipation. And and Katie, in terms of the clinics that you're working with, what is the mood that you're sensing when you talk to people?
2: It's really changeable, honestly, day to day. And I think we're sort of settled into this is how this is going to look for the next few weeks. So it it might be lessening to some extent, but there's a lot of sort of that sense of imagining the worst, you know, our brains kind of settled into the worst uh, possible scenario. And it was interesting in this article how they said that we're kind of wired to make sure that we're t- protecting ourselves. So in a stressful situation, we're like, okay, well, this is the worst thing that's going to happen. And it's not necessarily, I don't think, a bad thing to imagine the worst because then you can prepare for it. And then when it doesn't happen, then mm-hmm. you know you you feel uh, some sense of relief. But at least you're you sort of have uh, some kind of a contingency plan. But I think uh, for the practices that I'm working with, it's it kind of goes beyond that imagining the worst because they just don't even know what to imagine at all. Uh, You know, how long this is going to last, what's going to happen, how many people are going to be affected, what's their business going to look like on the other side. So I think that I thought it was really interesting that, that concept of anticipatory grief uh, around that uncertain future and that anxiety. Uh, and really a loss of safety. And it's not just personal safety, but it's the, the safety of, of your job and the money that you're making and being able to provide for your family and all of that stuff. So yeah, I mean, people are, are definitely oscillating between these these different steps or these different stages of grief as I see them. It's not the same across all practices, and it's not the same day to day with the, the same people either.
0: So one of the things I talk about is, you know, to try to find balance in, in what we're thinking about, which I am sure, is much easier said than done. Like, you know, coming into the present, talking about what we can control, letting go of what we can't control. And we'll get into that in a little bit on the next article. And I think these, these two articles really complement each other very well. But I think a theme we'll come back to, we've talked about it the last time, is just stocking up on compassion as the practice leader, practice manager. So can you talk about why we need compassion so much right now?
1: Oh, it's so important right now. Empathy and compassion are, I hope, uh, what people really make meaning of in during COVID-19 and at the end of COVID-19. It's about being compassionate in the grocery store when you see someone with the mask on and, and you're like, do you have it? You should go home and just stepping out of judgment around that, just having compassion that they're afraid. And that when people are buying all the toilet paper, or right now it's yeast where I'm at, people are buying all the yeast to bake bread and things, is to say, you know what? These people are just trying to feed their families. And just being able to appreciate their fear, appreciate their frustrations. They might be snippy with you. They might be tearful with you. But just holding the space for them to own their emotions and not be in judgment of that. I think that's just the most important thing we can do as a society and as business owners and leaders.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. The last thing I wanted to talk about in this article that I thought was interesting that I highlighted was the sense as, and I think this applies to practice managers, leaders, owners, is our job is to now overprotect but not overreact. And I think, you know, going back into the balance and thinking of things that we can control as leaders in the practice, I think we really have to be the ones demonstrating it it's hard. And I know of myself as a leader of a practice is that we don't have all the answers, but yet we need to convey that we sort of have some answers. And I like that idea of like do a little bit more to overprotect, you know, in terms of safety, social distancing, you know, making sure that we do things right with for our clients and their patients. but. Not getting too far to the other end where we're overreacting, and I and I think when we start to overreact, people probably will lose confidence in us. Does that make sense, Katie? I don't know if I'm stating that well.
2: Absolutely. I mean, it's it's difficult to be in a the position of being a practice owner or being a manager right now, but people are are looking for you to be some sort of anchor of safety and somebody who isn't isn't acting out of emotion or isn't acting reactively. It can be hard, but we have to be that constant for them mm-hmm. in a world right now where nothing's really all that constant.
0: And I think that's a great segue to this next article, How to Help Employees Deal with Frustration During COVID-19 by uh, Jay Fort. What he talks about is you know, not so much grief, but it's frustration. Mm-hmm. It's a mix of anger, disappointment, irritation, aggravation. I think it's probably... I know I've been frustrated by this, and I can't imagine anybody, I, I'm sure every one of us has been uh, frustrated about this personally and how it affects a business for sure. But he talks a lot about things that we can practically do. And, and I think this ties into our compassion is to understand that people are frustrated. But what we can do to help them manage their frustration. So Sue, maybe you want to talk about when you deal with uh, your clients and you're coaching with them, how you like to respond to frustration or help your, your clients respond to frustration more appropriately.
1: Yeah, I can speak to that when people are catastrophizing or when you're frustrated, what you feel like is so little control over your emotions. And right now when I'm saying that, I'm tensing up and I'm pulling my shoulders in and, and feeling that frustration And I think that what you need to do is be really aware of your body and what it feels like when you're feeling that frustration and to be able to, and this is what I always say to my clients, literally just put your hand up. Like you're telling someone to back off or stop and literally in your mind, say, stop what can I control here? Or I I like to say, own what you can control. Because when we're frustrated, we're often upset about things that are out of our control. So what can I control here and what can I own? And that metaphorical, just putting your hand out and say stop, gives them the space to stop that frustration or catastrophizing in their head.
0: And I think, you know, we really work a lot on employee engagement. And I think if we can, we let frustration sort of go untended uh it's really gonna display a lot of bad things in the workplace and, and maybe katie you can discuss you know just how counterproductive frustration is and where it gets us in the practice
2: definitely i mean you know frustrated uh staff are distracted staff and i think you have to have some space for some degree of distraction right now i mean nobody's at their hundred percent best But that distraction can lead into, you know, bitterness and rage and hopelessness. And that could be something that, you know, spreads to people who might have been coping okay. Uh, And then they have somebody who's highly frustrated and and might be lashing out and might be bitter and just not being all that productive. Uh, You know, whether it's productive actually doing work or productive as far as supporting their colleagues. So you really don't want to get into a spiral where people are upset. People are dwelling on what's happened and, and not sort of uh, thinking about the future and thinking about what is working.
0: Let's talk a little bit about the program this author recommends on how you as a business manager can work with your staff to find what they can and cannot control and find what is good and what is bad in the situation. Sue, so maybe you can sort of walk us through the steps of how to identify what's working and what's not working.
1: The author of this Jay says to um, create a, a list to take that piece of paper and you know throw the line down the middle. I'm doing it right now. And one side is what's working, and the other side is what's not working. And to list out what's not working, like what is frustrating you right now? Is it being at home and and having uh, the fear of losing your job or not being able to finish paying the mortgage? Is it not being able to get what you need at the grocery store? Well, just list all those things that are making you so frustrated. And then be with that list, really look at it. And then look at what is working and really write down what is working? What is good right now? Well, my kids are home with me and they're safe. My husband is able to continue working and and have a paycheck.
0: Well, I mean there's a lot of great things working, but I'm just wondering is when he talks about this and, and Katie, I'd like to ask your your thoughts on this because you work a lot with groups and practices there. Is this an exercise that we want to do one on one or is this, you know, something that we can do as a group? with, you know, teams or smaller teams or parts of the practice that, Hey, all right, let's, let's spend half an hour and let's just sort of go through this list of what's happening. And, you know, maybe they can make their own list personally, but is it worthwhile doing it as a practice to say what's working and what's not working?
2: I think definitely it's a great exercise to do. Maybe if your staff are seem to be adjusting and coping quite well, then it's not something you necessarily need to pull out of the toolbox. But in that environment that we talked about before with frustration and distraction, in that downward spiral, I think it's definitely something that would be great to go through. And and even if it's, it's not something that, you know, people have their lists and they don't necessarily share them with each other. I think it's still useful to do it as a group Uh, because I think the, the concepts of looking at that list of things that you have uh, on the, what's not working side and thinking, okay, well, what can I actually change here? What do I have control over and doing something about that? And then reframing your mindset on those things that you don't have control over. You know, there's been a couple of memes that have been on social media about, you know, thinking instead of thinking I'm stuck at home, thinking I'm safe at home. So putting it into reframing it and thinking about, you know, well, what's the positive that goes on here? Uh, I think it's a really worthwhile exercise. I quite like it. I have to admit, I actually did it myself a couple of days ago in preparation for this podcast. And it does help you to sort of put things in perspective. And I'm a big proponent. And I I talked to one of our clients yesterday, our Oculus clients about, you know, she was very, you know, frustrated, because there were all these things happening. And she's just so stressed. And, you know, it was waking her up at night. And I said, well, do you actually have control over any of these things? You know, we listed the things that she does have control over. And, you know, they put a plan in place to deal with the things that they have control over. And I said, it's really doing you no good to really internalize all these things you don't have control over. I mean, you can't control what other people are going to do. You can't control what the authorities are going to say. You can't control how many people are going to get sick. So really, I mean, it's not doing you any good to, to really be dwelling on those things. And we can't make things right, but we can certainly help them cope. And that's where I think this exercise is really excellent for thinking about things in a different way and not just having people get down into that spiral and sort of circling the drain of anxiety and of frustration.
0: Yeah. And I almost wonder though, if it, even if that seems like the, the offices or the the work environment seems kind of cohesive and everybody's in a seemingly positive outlook, I wonder if this would still be a good exercise to do anyhow, just mm-hmm. because I think people just, you know, hey, I'm at work, I got my work face on. And so it'd be nice to know if you are just sort of sharing amongst a group, some of the things where people say, hey, this is where I can't control. And maybe others can say, you know, actually, maybe we can talk about it more. You know, this is something that I really obsess over. Maybe the team workers or the coworkers, Workers can sort of help people say, you know what, hey, what can I do to get you out of that mindset when you go down that road?
2: No, that's a great point. As I was reading this article and going through the exercise myself, I, I'm a big proponent in emotional intelligence and having people uh, improve their self-awareness. And I think this is a really great exercise for that, you know, helping them gain perspective And, you know, we've talked in other podcasts and sort of in general about let's do things during this crisis or this period that are going to make us stronger when we come out on the other side. And I think this is an excellent example because, you know, if if it's not COVID-19, it's going to be something else that's stressful and that can really pull somebody down into a spiral. So I think having this in your emotional toolbox is really an excellent thing.
1: If I can add something to that, Katie and Mike, is that as a leader, when you do this in the room with your staff you're giving them permission to to say out loud what they're feeling and what they're experiencing instead of bottling it up. And at the end of this, when we come through this, as a team, you will be much stronger as you allow them the space to be able to speak. So right now it's around the frustrations with COVID-19 and maybe how they have to go to the curb and they're working harder during the day in a shorter amount of time. But like you say, when we're done this, They're going to have the ability to use their voice in a safe place.
2: Mm -hmm. No, that's a great point, Sue. Thanks for bringing that up. You know, so often when we do training for staff, you know, if we do difficult conversations training, you're coming up with sort of these fictional scenarios for them to work through when you're doing the training. You know, sometimes people aren't comfortable actually bringing up a difficult conversation they need to have. So we give them these pieces of paper with scenarios on them. And it's not necessarily as well internalized, if it's not something that's very personal, and this is an excellent example of an exercise that can be done, that's, we're teaching them skills that they can use, but it's actually very personal, and it's very upfront, and it's happening right now. So I think that uh, you're right. I mean, people might not be coming out and saying things, but underneath, it could be a whole different story. So I think it's worthwhile to do, definitely.
0: There was something else they talked about in this article that I thought was really an interesting uh, exercise as well, and that is when you're caught up and you're frustrated, it's hard to see what's good going on, is actually having an intentional moment where you stop and they encourage, you know, leaders to get their employees, just stop what they're doing, stop working, stop stressing, stop yelling, just to do something, just step away and to reset their brains. And I have some thoughts on how this could also work in a vet practice. But Sue, do you find this to be an effective way for people to, to stop this frustration, just this purposeful all right, I'm just going to stop, do something different for a second and come back to it.
1: Absolutely. Even when I say, when I talk with clients about when they're upset about something or their emotions are running away with them and to, to be self-aware enough to have the metaphorical stop sign or put their own hand out, I ha- like literally I'm doing it right now, put your hand out. And it literally is a break in the thoughts and it resets the brain and, say, and saying to yourself, what do I need to do here? What do I need to do for me right now? what do i know is true about the situation and it really can help refocus where reframe the thought pattern the thought process so huge uh, it's a huge uh, coaching tool that we use and it's an excellent tool to use right now because just reframing resetting the way we're thinking right now is so important
0: one of the things I was thinking, especially in, in a practice where everybody are, works close together, is this might be a great way to just start the day or starting a shift is with the people that are starting together, you sort of stop and go, all right, before we start our job, go through what's working, what's not working. And, and it allows us as before we started to sort of leave the frustrations that we've had behind, reposition ourselves that we're with the team, that we're supportive of each other, and they're going to remind each other of what's worked well that we're here today and we have control over what's in front of us and we'll make that the best day. And then maybe at the end of the shift, it's another way of doing this again to sort of spend a few minutes going, all right, sort of a reset again to sort of like, I'm going to leave work behind. I'm going home to family. And again, maybe some purposeful reframing in the day. Do you think something like that would work, Katie?
2: I think that that's an excellent idea. Definitely. You know, having that mindful reset and that, that mindful moment of, I don't know if it's serenity now type moment or something like that, where you're right. You're sort of, you're taking off the jacket of work and you're putting on your home jacket. And that's trying to, um, to really partition those parts of your day and those parts of, of what's taking up your psyche right now. I think that's definitely a worthwhile exercise.
0: Well, these are two great articles and I think they really brought something new to what we're challenged with in terms of anticipatory grief, which is uh, new for me. Uh, the frustration, just in general sense, the two of you are both talking to a lot of vets, a lot of practices, a lot of practice managers. What other kind of challenges are people finding right now in terms of their employees, just in a general sense? We'll start with you, Sue. Uh,
1: right now, I'm got people that are they're frustrated uh, because they are so short on staff staff that either would prefer not to come in and work at all just from a safety point of view but the clients are still coming through the door and so um, that's one of the real big ones that I'm dealing with um, people with their frustration and what's out of their control and trying to figure out how to manage that how to keep their employees safe how to still practice best medicine, um in in these times so that's that's what's um, staff shortages and and trying to um get people to come to work when they are afraid
0: and what have you suggested for that because i know when we do our webinars we're always asking it when we start the webinar what, what are people concerned about their business the the staff shortage is is something that comes up quite often
1: So interestingly enough, we were doing some brainstorming uh, around that. And the practice manager who is working remotely at one of my uh, clinics is going to come in an extra day. You know, he said, you know what, I can do this, I can make this work at home. And so he's stepping up and just asking, where can someone pull together? And interestingly enough, they're low on technicians, but their groomer is a tech assistant. And so um, she has agreed to come back and fill in. So they're reaching out, they're really trying to brainstorm uh, with their staff, like no idea is a bad idea. So let's throw the ideas out there to see what we can do to get through this. And so they're coming up with some really creative options, right? Um, and everybody has to step up right now. And they're really seeing um, who is a a team player here. Um, now being afraid for your health and that's an important thing, but for those people that are like saying, you know what, I live alone. I'm not going to impact anybody. Else. I can, I can step up here. And and they're doing that for the business and for the clients.
0: Wonderful. And how about you, Katie, what are you encountering?
2: Uh, I mean, not all that much different than what Sue was talking about, but just, um, the folks that we work with are having a hard time or it's finding it challenging anyway, to, accommodate sort of those different viewpoints of the staff and how they feel about coming in and how they feel about the procedures that the practices have put in place to keep them safe, changes day to day. It's difficult to when we're asking essential workers to come in and work and, and be facing the public, we have a definitely a duty to keep them safe. Uh, but they all have a different range of what they're comfortable with. So I think that that's one of the bigger that fear and that frustration going back to what we were just, what we were talking about today is something that's very real for them right now.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think the one thing we do know for sure that's consistent is as we're going along through this crisis, we are still going to be encountering new and evolving ways that our staff ourselves are managing this just because as time goes on, uh, we'll we'll start feeling different things. Mm -hmm. One of the things I worry about, you know, some of the, Areas, countries, states, provinces are all starting to think about opening up again, to a certain degree, staged opening up of the economies. And I think we're all really excited and and can't wait to see that. But, you know, then you also worry about... Uh, second waves, if the, if all of a sudden something spikes again, that, you know, you're going to have to come back to another shutdown. So I think there's still so much uncertainty that uh, I think we'll keep on talking on a regular basis on terms of what we can do to help manage our staff the best. Without our staff, we don't have our businesses. And I think that's an area what we've got to spend as much as time as we possibly can, making sure our staff are engaged through this tumultuous time like to thank you both again for uh, spending the time and recommending such great articles and uh, you can always go back to our uh, Apple podcast and see our all of our previous podcasts. Thank you both and I look forward to recording another one of these in a couple weeks with you.
1: Thanks Mike. Thanks Mike.
0: At Oculus Insights, we care a lot about animals, but we also care about the health of the veterinary profession. Our goal is to support veterinary businesses around the world by helping you clear your path to success.